0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Let's study the Word for a few moments here this morning. I've got three scriptures we need to look at this morning real quick. First of all, if you will, go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now let me say this, uh, this may help some of you to to kind of grasp your responsibility, your part uh, in the things of God when it comes to faith and appropriating the power of God. Years gone by, years ago, when, when basically as far as the move of God was concerned, there were a couple of Pentecostal denominations, the Assemblies of God, Four Square Church, where predominantly the God was moving and supernatural things were happening. This would have been uh, you know, pre-World War II, during World War II. Many of those churches that taught faith and believed God and, and flowed in the things of faith uh, more than a real spectacular manifestation of the supernatural gifts of the Spirit of God. Men and women just understood the precepts and the concepts of faith and they would literally uh, work with one another, especially in the area of healing. Now, I've heard several testimonies. Now, my, my grandmother was a part of that and, and, and many of people that we knew and grew up around were a part of that. But many times when someone would get uh, sick in the church and I, you know uh, serious uh, diseases tumors cancers uh, you know things like that uh, men and women of the church would get together and they would just they would just read the bible to them healing scriptures you know, talk about uh, uh, Jesus and Jesus' healing ministry and, and go back into the, in the old covenant. You know, it says in, in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, uh, My son or daughter, attend to my word incline climb my, uh, your ears into it, saying, Let it not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart for its life to those that find it and health to all of its flesh. And literally, more often than not, they would just talk people out of dying. Now, that's, that's basically the phrase they would use. They would just talk their loved one or their friend or their neighbor. Or their, their, they would just literally share the Word of God, come and do it day after day after day. Heard the testimony of, a, of an 82-year-old woman who was mightily used of God as an evangelist. And she got a massive tumor in her stomach and, and, and you know, just, just she was dying. She was in her last couple of weeks of life. And a couple of young preachers uh, went and talked to her and said, uh, you know, you don't need to die like this. Said, you know, if you want to die, that's fine, but get healed and then die. That's their philosophy. That should be our philosophy. I mean, don't, don't get old and sick and die. Well, get old, uh, but, but if you want to go into heaven, go without being sick. Amen. So she was, she was reserved to die. She said, no, I've suffered so much, you know, with a, with, a, with a stomach tumor or something like that. You can't eat. You're fed through tubes. It's just a horrible existence. She said, just leave me alone. Let me die. I'd rather go to heaven. And they wouldn't do it. And they just kept going by there, reading scriptures, praying, reading scriptures, worshiping God. And she rose up out of that. And 10 years later, one of these preachers ran into her, 92 years old. Now she was 82 when she was down. Now she's 92. And how it happened is he was holding or conducting a meeting and got a phone call from her daughter and said, well, Mama's up holding a meeting right now north of here, and she'll be finished on Sunday night. We'll be over there on Monday. Now when she came and visited that meeting, she came over and put her arm uh, around this minister's neck and said, I'm sure glad your boy, you boys didn't let me die. Well, you know, we shouldn't let people die. I mean, we, we are handling the words of life. And just like, just like it works uh, uh, back in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 80s, the 90s, it works like that today. We just have to be willing to make application of it to the the current situation. Now, now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen to this uh, scripture, verse 18. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Everybody say eternal. One translation says this, the things that are seen are subject to change. Now let me say that again. The things that are seen are subject to change. So no matter what is seen in your life right now, a physical problem, a financial problem, a problem at the job or in your business, it's subject to change. I said it's subject to change. But then it says this, the things that are unseen are eternal or forever settled in heaven. What the psalmist say in Psalms 119, thy word is forever settled in heaven. That means salvation is settled, healing is settled. You don't have to talk God into it. He's already given it to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, with that in mind, go to to Hebrews real quick. Then we're going to go over to the book of Mark. Look at Hebrews, a real simple, quick scripture. Hebrews chapter 13. This is a scripture that should be underlined in everybody's Bible. We're going to lift it up out of its context and just take it at face value. Jesus Christ, everybody say Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's say it together. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say it one more time. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now go to Mark chapter 10. I think that's one of the... Great scriptures of the Bible. Many evangelists put that over their crusade platforms when they're teaching and preaching because it's true. The same Jesus that healed, delivered, set free is the same Jesus that's here this morning in the form of a message called the Word of God, and he's here by his power or by his Spirit called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, He's here. here. Say, "He's He's He's here. Say, He's here. Now, I love love these little, how would you call them, these little incidents that took place when Jesus walked on the earth. We've said this many times before when we were a young church and still meeting at the Tremont house. I did a series on the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seemed like every service got stronger and stronger and stronger. And at the end of that series of meetings, we determined or we kind of coined a catchphrase that if we could learn to respond to the Word of God the way the people in the Bible responded to Jesus, we'd get the same thing. Amen. Well, actually, I've amplified that over the years. You say, why? Because most people think their miracle is based on an access issue. Oh, if Jesus would just walk through the doors, you know, with His nail-scarred hands, in His, in His, in His priestly robe, and man touch my fevered brow. Oh, I tell you, I'd receive... No, you wouldn't. You know why you wouldn't? Because you're not looking at the things that are unseen. You have to embrace the things... I mean, you have, to, you have to not embrace the things that are seen, but you've got to look into the unseen. Now, that's why I picked this guy. Because this guy in Mark chapter 10 is blind. So he can't see nothing. He's blind from birth. He's never seen anything. So everything to him is a mystery. I mean, now he can touch and, and he can smell and he can, he can hear. But I'm telling you, when you lose your sight, that's a, that's, a major, that's a major handicap. Amen. So he can't see. But the Bible says that we have to look not at the things that are seen. So there are things we need to be blinded to. I tell you, we ought to be blinded to sin, unrighteousness. All types of behavior that will harm your faith and, and harm your walk with the Lord. Listen, we ought to be blinded to sickness and disease, to poverty and lack. You say, what do you mean? It's not that we deny that they exist. We ought to be blind to it because our eyes are open to salvation. Our eyes are open to healing. Our eyes are open to prosperity. We're looking into the unseen and the unseen is coming into the seen because we're looking at what's not seen. Now here's this guy. Let's read the story. Mark uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, it says, "...they came to Jericho, and as he or Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging." So here's this blind guy, he's a beggar. Everybody say, a beggar. And he's sitting by the highway, and he's doing what beggars do every day, they beg. He says in verse uh, 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 47, it says, "...when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth... He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, we all know, you don't, you don't, we don't have to say, Well, Pastor, you know, we can't be talking about what the guy did. We've got to talk about what God did. Listen, Jesus is the one that drew our attention to the man's faith. Now, let me say that again. Jesus is the one that drew our attention to the man's faith. Now, notice, it says here, back up in verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, all of the principles of faith that we teach on and that we've taught, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, that a primary release of faith takes place through what you say, That you must act upon your faith. Then you must resist that which comes against your faith. Come on, church. And that you must receive that which God says you can have. Now, this guy had to know something about Jesus. His cry was that of this. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So he understood the terminology, thou son of David, meant that he understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Or we can say it like this. In the Messianic reference of who the Lord Jesus Christ was to that group of Jewish people, he understood that. The Messiah. The anointed one. That means he knew. He's got an anointing. Amen. Amen the one that's come to break the power of Satan over us, the one that's come to break the power of iniquity and sin, the healer, the savior, the miracle worker, all of that was probably going around in his mind. Then he made this statement, Have mercy on me. Everybody say, Have mercy. Now listen, mercy is one of the most powerful attributes of God. Mercy is the ability of God to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. Did you get that? Mercy is the ability of God to stop from happening to you what should happen to you. What should happen to Bartimaeus in the natural? What should happen to him? Live his life out as a beggar on the side of the road. Die some lonely, separated. No, no, no love in his life. No human touch. No nothing. Had, had, made, had made no uh, contribution to his society made no contribution to anything spiritually. I mean, that was the natural order of events for his life. But God... I said, but God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, came into his life, and what did he do? He heard. Now, what did he hear? He heard something in the unseen. There was something going He said, well, somebody had to tell it to him. I'm telling you, somebody talked to him or he overheard a conversation or he overheard some teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ around that Jericho area but that which he heard stimulated something in the unseen realm that dropped into his heart called faith and when Jesus started walking by his faith needed an expression so he cried out Jesus son of David have mercy on me And you'd have thought, everybody would have thought, man, let's have a revival. Let's watch Jesus heal a blind man. Glory to God, here we go again. But what happened? The crowd resisted him. Now let me just say this to you. Faith on the earth is a resistible force by everything that's in this world and world system, including the devil, including demon powers. And let me just say this, the saddest resistance to your faith is religion. Religion that will tell you that God doesn't save, that God doesn't heal, that God doesn't deliver, that God is not supernatural anymore, that He just sits up in heaven dormant, and that, well, when you die, if you're good enough, you may or may not make it up there. I'm telling you, that is the worst because that robs people of their hope. But I'm telling you, God is real, and God is alive. And God is a good God. And God wants to heal you and bless you and set you free. And God wants to give you a life beyond your imagination or dreams. And God wants to bless you in ways you never thought you could be blessed. And God is not inactive in the earth. He is very active in the earth. He's just looking for some people that are going flow with Him. Everybody say, Go and flow. Now notice this. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his people. Shut up. And they probably used every foul derogatory. You're just a blind man. You're just a beggar. You're just a nobody. You're, you're, you, know, you're, you have no right uh, causing any kind of commotion in this crowd. You have no right crying out like that. And you know, that's exactly what the world will tell you. You ain't got no right. And you know what religion will tell you? Here's what religion will tell you. You ain't worthy. You're not righteous. You're not worthy. Now, if God wants to do it, he's up up in heaven and he's using his computer trying to figure out if you're worthy and you'll never be worthy. Well, thank God Jesus made us worthy. Thank God Jesus made us holy. Thank God Jesus made us righteous. You don't have to go about establishing your own righteousness, your own holiness, or your own worthiness. He made us worthy. He made us righteous. He made us holy. All we got to do is ride on His righteousness, ride on His holiness. Amen? So opposition. Everybody say, opposition. Opposition. Every time you rise up in faith, you ever notice the first time you start believing God for anything you pray, you believe yourself, all of a sudden in your mind comes these thoughts. Have you lost your mind? Actually praying, thinking that God's going to answer? Actually, actually thinking that the Bible is true. Why don't you know that the Bible contradicts itself? No, it doesn't. Man contradicts himself, but the Bible so, doesn't. The word of God is a free flow of revelations from of revelation from Genesis through the book of Revelation. There is a progressive revelation line upon line, precept upon precept. The old covenant written for us, the new covenant written to us. There's life in it, there's power in it, there's healing in it, there's deliverance in it, there's joy in it, there's peace in it, there's righteousness in it. No wonder there's whole governments that do everything they can do to keep this book out of their nation because it'll bring revival to their nation. They're not, they're not afraid of an AK-47 or a grenade launcher. They can deal with that. But they can't deal with hundreds and thousands and millions of their people getting set free by the power of God and by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They can't deal with that. So there's always resistance. But the good news is, on the other side of resistance is your answer. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Because you've been believing God. You've been standing in faith and resistance has come against you. But on the other side of your resistance is your miracle. That's why whenever resistance comes to me, I think, wow, something must be going on. Why are you so mad? Why are you so stirred up, devil? How come all these demon powers? And sometimes demon powers work through people. So don't get mad at the people. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. How come all these people are so upsetting me? How come all... It just may be that there's a major miracle streaming towards your life like a locomotive coming down a downhill pull as fast as it can go and the enemy's trying to do everything he can do to get you, get you to quit or back off. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, so I'm not going to quit. Say, I'm not going to back off. Say, I'm going to (laughs) receive. Oh, my goodness. Give me a minute. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands. Thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we glorify you, Father. We exalt you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Helen, now put your hands down a minute. Who's got that message in tongues? Somebody stirring. Go ahead, Helen, give that real quick. <laughs> yeah, you better listen. You better hear. For sure, there's been resistance. There's been that which has risen up against you. But yeah, it's true. Your miracle is right at your doorstep. The answer to what you've been believing God for is literally coming into your fingertips. So stand up in faith even this day and make a decision. I will not be denied for I know in whom I'm believed and I am persuaded that he is able and you will see that your God is a good God and will deliver unto you even more than you thought because he is a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Where were we here? Now notice verse 4. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, he doesn't He know how to do things. Look at verse 40. And Jesus stood still and commanded... Now, let's. you say, what do you mean? How can you get excited over that? Well, that tongue's in interpretation. Said it's right at our tip, uh, uh, fingertips, right on our doorstep. And here, Bartimaeus cried the more a great deal. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't give up. And the creator of the universe stops. The one that put the stars in the sky. Remember him? The one that put the sun in its place and it comes up in the east and rises in the west, sets in the west every day. The one that created all and is and ever will be. The one that came down and got into Mary's womb. The one born onto the earth. The one anointed by the Holy Ghost. He stops, now listen, he stops and begins to command on behalf of a blind beggar. This guy ain't been through Bible school. He's not a graduate of Rama or you. He, this is a blind beggar. All he knows is Jesus, Master, have mercy upon me. And because he wouldn't quit or give up, the Master stops and begins to command on him's behalf. Mm-mm-mm. I feel a preach coming on. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Now notice verse, the next verse, verse 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now, why would the Holy Ghost inspire, why would God breathe this word into Mark and put verse 50 there if it wasn't relevant? So he gets up, and cast off, now listen, in those days, in those times, under Roman rule, listen, Rome's, Rome was meticulous. I mean, they were, they were micromanaging down to the, to, the, to the stray cats in the street. So in order to beg, under their dictates, there was a certain garment woven in a certain way that they had to wear that when you looked at that person, you knew he's a, garment. He's, a, he's a beggar. His garment talks about or shows that this guy, it's legal for him to do it. This is his life. There's nothing else he can do. And so his garment represented his identity. Now this act of faith here is one of the outstanding acts of faith in the Bible. Because his eyes hadn't opened yet. He's still in the dark. But all he knows is that Jesus, and that Son of David, that have mercy on me, that dispenser of God's, he's calling me. Mm. And if he's calling me, he was the one I heard about that healed those ten lepers. You know, there was a uh, a young girl. Wasn't there a young girl dying? And he was going to the going to the. Rabbi's house to heal her, and a woman touched him, and she got healed of twelve years of sickness. And you know, I heard that. I heard. I heard. While while he was healing that woman, that 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 child died, but he went to their house and raised her from the dead. Now he's calling me, so I really am not going to identify with begging anymore. I just think I'm going to take off the beggar's coat. I think I'm going to take off the beggar's coat. Amen. I really don't want to be... Because look, here's what's fixing to happen. My eyes are fixing to get open. Because I didn't start this for it to get interrupted in the middle. That's why I was screaming. And if I had to scream a third time or a fourth time or a fifth time, I'm going to get my eyes open because this is the only guy that's smart enough to make a new eye. Come on. He's the only guy smart enough to make you a new liver or a new heart or a new set of lungs, or a new pancreas, or whatever you need. This man is smart enough to make it and put it inside you. You say, oh, come on, you're about to jump off, you're about to jump off the edge there and get into something ridiculous. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is impossible with Him. And the Bible says, we should not limit the Holy One of Israel. Whatever your need is, God is more than enough. I'm telling you, he says, I'm through identifying with what the world says about me, with what Rome says about me, with what my eyes say about me, with what my condition says about me. My identification with my problem is over. I'm telling you, when your faith takes hold, your identification with your problem comes to an end you got to take it off, though. I said, I, nobody helped it off. No, nobody grabbed it and took it off. He took it off. He took that beggar's garment off, and he was showing everyone in that crowd, my begging days are over. My begging days are over. Now notice this. Notice this. I would have I, you know, thought that right there. Boom, his eyes would just open. No, no. Verse 51, Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee. Now, this principle or this point of being specific, I mean, you'd ask yourself, didn't Jesus know? You can see he was a blind man and a beggar. And shouldn't have Jesus, as soon as he flipped that garment off, shouldn't have Jesus just run up there and laid hands on him? But see, Jesus was knowing in himself that this is going to be recorded. And people need to understand there needs to be a specific to your faith. Amen. Amen. What are you believing God for? Well, I just want Him to bless me. Well, you're not going to get anything. Amen. Brother Hagen has uh, gone on to be with the Lord, but he was someone I studied after for many years, was a, a mentor to, to me and, and, and a friend to Lee and I. And uh, uh, he said... As as an evangelist in the Assemblies of God in four-square churches uh, for many years, uh, in the late 40s through the 50s and into the 60s, for his ministry really took off to another level, uh, it was the tradition of many of those churches. They had these big altars. Many of you don't even even know, but they had these big altars in front of the churches. And every service after the service, every, every service they had, after the people would come, and it would be women on one side and men on the other side, and they'd gather around those altars and pray. Sometimes it'd be 10 minutes. Sometimes the prayer meeting didn't start. it half the night. I was in tons of them as a kid growing up. I, that's where I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, was around one of those altars. Now, he said during his revivals, he would go around and tap people on the shoulder and ask them, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? What are you? And he said, 90% of the people said, well, nothing, just praying. Nothing, just pray. No, don't don't get me wrong. There's some, you know, there's fellowshipping with God, and there's, but but if you're specifically going after something with your faith, you ought to be specific in your faith. He said he noticed that every person that asked God for nothing got exactly what they asked for. Amen. Now we know there are prayers of consecration, there are prayers of, you know, all types of prayers, but the, when you're praying the prayer of faith when you're saying, Lord, I want this house, this car, I want this in my body, I want this in my finances, you need to get specific about what you're believing God for. I mean, we are so specific with what we're believing God for in that building that the the manual for that thing is this thick. The pages of the architectural rendering are 250-something pages. You say, "Why?" we've got every wall plate on the electrical Outlets, numbered, and we said, that's what we're believing God for. For the carpet, for the pews, for the ceiling, for the roof, for the sound system, for the paint, for the, I mean, everything, we've got it all in there. This is what we're believing God for. You say, well, God loves to give specific answers to specific requests so that he can be the God that does exceedingly abundantly above you all you can ask or think. He could have said anything. We, we, were, we were at, a, when I was at Bible school in Lakewood, there's a great evangelist, uh, Lee and I got to meet him and have dinner with him named R.W. Shambok. Anybody remember him? Man, that guy could preach. Man, he was a preacher's preacher. He said that he held a big tent revival in Philadelphia. Philadelphia had gone through a terrible recession. Uh, a man came up in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the prayer line for a job. He said, he reached out to lay hands on him. And he said, I fixed my hands. I stood back and I said, I said, what are you up here for? He said, I need a job. He said, you need a job? He said, yeah. So he laid hands on him. He said this, Lord, give this man the best $2.50 garbage collecting job in Philadelphia. He said, the guy took my hands off of his head. (laughs) He said, I don't want no $2.50 garbage collecting job. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm a computer analyst. Now, this is back in the 80s when computers were just getting going and people were just... He said, well, why didn't you say so? Yeah. He said, well, I just thought God would bless me with... A he said, what do you want from God? Finally, after asking him three times, the guy finally said, I want a job in the computer industry in which there's a future for me. The guy got the job, got a big salary, and supported Brother Shambach's ministry until he went home to be with the Lord because he was specific. If you've got a job you're looking for, if you've got something that you are believing God for, you've got to become specific in your faith. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I watched a deal on, on aviation in the military and how they, they begin to fly these dirigibles, these big balloons over the battlefields of World War I. Well, the problem with those is they shot them down pretty handily. Didn't take much to shoot them down. A few bullet holes and they were, shh, you know. So the airplanes were just the technology for airplanes. About 1916, 1915 and 16, they first began to fly reconnaissance flights over the battlefield. And inspired by a battle that was taking place, one of the pilots threw a hammer out of the cockpit of the airplane. That became the first aerial bombing in the history of military aviation. Well, before the war was over, they had machine guns mounted on them. They were throwing grenades at them. They were even dropping crude bombs. But when they came into World War II, they had developed what was called the Norton Bomb Site, which gave them a very specific location in which they could drop bombs. But now, in 2018, they got a bomb that'll come out of an airplane you can't even see and come down to Galveston and go down S Street and down 69th and down Avenue P, and down Avenue O, and come knock on your back door and blow up. Amen. Amen? It's very specifically aimed and guided and brought right to the place of greatest effect. And God wants you to specifically aim your faith for it to go right to the place of its greatest effect in your life. What do you want from God? Write it down. Get it on a piece of paper. Get it into your prayer log. Begin to write it every day. Connect your faith. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I believe I receive a brand new pancreas into my body. I believe I receive a brand new settlement. There was a guy, full gospel businessman. Dad was, Dad was Papa was involved in full gospel businessman for many years, and we'd go to those conventions. And this guy got up and talked about being in a meeting, being prayed for for his heart. He said his heart was just done. He said they needed a heart transplant. And he said, hey, he didn't receive I didn't feel like I got anything at the altar. So I just received it by faith. Bless God, I've got what I'm believing God for. And he went home. And he said, about two weeks later, he was awakened in the night. And he said, I was laying on my bed on my back like this. And I opened my eyes. And he said, there was an angel standing there. And he had his hands in my chest. He said, he had his hands in my chest. And he said, there was another angel standing at the foot of the bed. And he said, be still. He's putting a new heart in your body. He said, I went to the doctor about a week later, and the doctor said, who are you? He said, what do you mean? He said, who are you? He said, you got a brand new heart. God put a brand new heart in his body. We had a a guy in one of our services. We were doing a lot of ministry in Ireland and holding. we were in a great convention over there, and a day meeting I was speaking, and a guy leaning back in a chair against the back wall. I thought God was, you know, give somebody a new heart, give them a new attitude, give them a new way. to. And I spoke to a man leaning back in a chair. Then I said, God is going to give you a brand new heart. Yeah, I went and opened my Bible and started teaching my lesson. Well, about five years later, we kept getting this call from Killarney, Ireland, which is on the west coast of Ireland. Some church wanted us to come. Well, for two or three years, we didn't pay any attention to it. A lot of people wanted us to come. Our time was always limited over there. So finally, I mean, they were just persistent. Come to Killarney, come to... So finally, I scheduled a meeting there, Three nights. And so I rode the train from Dublin. Uh, Brandon Hayden, who was the pastor in Dublin, Ireland, put me on the train, rode the train, great train ride. That was a beautiful train ride all across from East to West Ireland. So I got the train. I didn't even know, I didn't even know who to look for. I get off the train. I've got my bag. A guy walks up to me, a little Irishman about five foot tall. He said, Brother, you don't even remember me, do you? I looked I said, I don't. He said, I was in that service that day when you pointed at me and said, God's going to give you a brand new heart. Then I, I remembered it. He said, I was scheduled for heart transplant surgery. He said, I went home. He said, I had my heart. It was just just totally decayed. He said, it was just disease and eat my heart up. He was an alcoholic for many years, got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, my heart was literally gone. He said, I went back to the doctor about a month after that meeting. And the doctor said the same. Who are you? He said, what do you mean? He said, you, you, the heart." He said, "We've got the X-rays, we've got the EKGs, we've got all of the tests, and now we've got all, we've got this other X-ray, and we've got these other EKGs, and we've got all these, and you've got." He, the doctor told him, "You've got a brand new heart. You have a brand new heart." For with God, nothing is impossible. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can make a heart. He can make, I don't know, God's talking to somebody in here today. He can make a heart. He can make a pancreas. He can make lungs. He can make a liver and he can put it in your body. He's the only one in the universe smart enough to do it and he's willing to do it. Let me close with this What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately, just like what Pastor Lee was talking about, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now listen, your response to the Word of God. Sure there's going to be opposition. Man, this is 2018. Mankind has, has negatively evolved into the animal that it is today. The enemies loosed upon this earth in demonic form in which the earth has never seen before. But the good news is, God is here. The Word is here. The power of the Holy Ghost is here. And if you will make a decision, I'm not going to be denied. Your faith will work. And all through the Gospels, there were people that received. They did not, God, Jesus did not walk into a place going, where's that blind man? I want to heal a blind man. Where's that blind man? Where's that that woman with the issue of blood? She's got to be around here somewhere. I have to find her. Where are those ten lepers? Where are those ten? Those people initiated their miracle. They heard a voice in the unseen realm. I said they heard a voice. Now it might have been in the natural realm. But within that voice was another voice saying you can be healed. You can have a miracle. You can be delivered. You can be blessed of God. And that same voice is speaking today. You say, well, Pastor, I've lived with this for so many years. God doesn't care. You say, I've had to deal with this for so long. It does not matter to God. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you'll get your eyes off of the scene and get your eyes on the unseen realm and begin to say what that realm says, begin to act what that realm says, begin to rejoice because of what that realm is, I guarantee you what is in the unseen will open up and flood into the scene and you'll get your suddenlies, you'll get your immediately's, you'll get your new heart, you'll get whatever you need and God will bring the blessing into your life. I don't know why so many churches have departed from it. I can't speak for them. But here in Island Church, this is our message. The same Jesus, He is the same yesterday, today, forever. That means He will save you if you're unsaved. If you're saved and not living for God, He will forgive your sins because He is the mediator. He is the high priest in heaven and His blood is upon the mercy seat. If you've been attacked with disease, He is the great healer. Many times he's, he's referred to in the scriptures by theologians as the great physician. He's not even on that level. Because all physicians can do is treat. But Jesus, he is the cure. He is the cure for AIDS. He is the cure for Alzheimer's. He is the cure. I don't know why we haven't stretched our faith toward the healing of more Alzheimer's patients and more AIDS patients, but we, we're going to do it here at Island Church. We're going to stretch our faith toward that and believe that those demonic powers that look so impossible for them to break that they're going to be broken and the healer is going to get glorified in our midst. Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And no matter what you need, be specific. Resist the hindrances. Resist the blowback against you. Step up there and get your miracle. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Well, praise God. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, we pray over these beautiful people. Thank you for touching their heart. Thank you that you're so much bigger than anything they're going through and that they understand and realize that before they leave today. And Father, we leave today Thanking you for our protection, our safety. We declare over our lives, our travel, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling house, place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, we as your people walk on serpents, scorpions over all pride of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you, Father. As we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are the protected of Almighty God. In the righteous labor of our hands, in our businesses, in our jobs that we work in, as we handle the resource that you've given us, thank you we are not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men, or Satan himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and we claim that, believe that in Jesus' name. Thank you you return us back together on Wednesday night and next Sunday for another glorious service in your presence, Lord God. In the meantime, we rejoice over the door of utterance that you give us out into Galveston, out in the county, all around, up into Houston, over into Baytown, over into Freeport. Thank you, Lord, that we will be a blessing to people an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the adversary, and a miracle in people's lives. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.